Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Awesome Moms. I am excited today to offer my mother a break and invite Rebecca Saltzman to our show. We have a great conversation with her. It is so helpful, so practical, and even, I think, inspirational. If you want to know more about Rebecca, check out her bio in the show notes. And Rebecca is actually offering our listeners a very special discount today for the first 10 moms who sign up. There's a coupon code in the description. It's for Power Hour Sessions, which we'll talk about later in the show. They're amazing, so helpful. So be sure if this interests you to take her up on it. Enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to episode 32. This is a very exciting episode as we are here today with Rebecca Saltzman. Welcome Rebecca to our podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's great. It's great. Welcome to Awesome Moms. I'm really happy that you're here with us today. Um, For those of you who don't know Rebecca Saltzman, she is a professional organizer. You may have heard of Balagan Be Gone, so that's her. Um, Rebecca teaches incredible home and life organizing skills. She runs these amazing power hours, which we'll tell you about. And she recently published a book called Organized Jewish Life. It's an absolute must-have for every Jewish home. Um, It will hold your hand and walk you through the Jewish year and Jewish life cycle events. It's amazing. It is super functional. Uh, I guess we could call it that. I, I But I actually, coming from a parenting perspective, I find it inspirational because it's the practical end of the theory that we talk about on our podcast. Um, you know, we're we're trying we're trying very hard to do it right as mothers, but often the root of our mistake is is not actually like we're missing the theory. We're actually just, um, we, we, uh, we, it's actually more comes from poor planning um, or mismanagement of our very many responsibilities. So I, it's so practical and so helpful. And I'm very happy that you're here today. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Great. So without further ado, um, well, let's just maybe as way of furthering our introduction, could you tell us a little bit about generally what you do and how you got into this great work? Sure. So um, how much time do you have? <laughs> it's a long start. Uh, no. Um, okay. So after, I, I don't know that I've always been organized my whole life. I definitely have organized tendencies, but it's definitely something that I, I've learned and cultivated over the years. And I always did organization as kind of a side hustle because I really enjoy like lining things up and giving things set or like giving things order and making things, you know, be in their place. And in 2012, I read this book called Zero Waste Home. And I was like, whoa, this lady's super nuts because basically she was able to get a family of four, uh, all of their trash for a year into like a one liter mason jar. And I'm like, how, how do you do that? I was like, well, maybe she has something. And as from people, I feel like this is really, really, really a challenge. Um, because our families are big and I mean, right off the bat, I had one more person in my house than she did, but also there's issues with kashrut and, and that's how people manage like levels of kashrut is is by how they're in their packaging so there's definitely challenges to being religious and and managing a lower waste lifestyle but that being said i was like let me give it a try let me see where i can reduce and the thing is is i thought like i would be desperately wanting more stuff because you know you think like more is more right but actually less is more things were so much easier. I had so much time, so much more energy. I could deal with my kids in a much better way. I could manage their stuff. And my responsibility just lessened when I had fewer things. And it was so amazingly refreshing, this whole like scenario that I was like, wow, this is amazing and great. And basically there were some early things that I did to, to make to make less. Um, but, but what happened was, was over time, I realized um, I'm trained as a fashion designer. I was working as a designer at the time that I read this book. And over time I realized I'm making all these changes in my personal life, 
but I'm not making them in my professional life. And I realized I was making a product that wasn't good for the environment that ended up in the landfill, probably like right away after one use. And I'm like, this is, this is just not me making the world a better place. So how can I make the world a better place? And there was this couple who was making Aliyah and they were looking for someone to help them downsize. And I was like, yeah, that's me. So I applied for the job and I got the job and I started doing that part-time with my other job, which was also part-time. And then I was like, but I really prefer doing, you know, the downsizing with this couple. So I quit my job and I started doing organizing Mm -hmm. full-time, part-time, you know, like in between taking care of my kids. And it was the perfect thing because it was my business, but it was also sort of my side hustle, uh, which was great because I could organize my time. Like whenever my husband would be home, that's when I would see clients or when my kids were at school, that's when I would see clients. So like, it was just a really great way for me to work, but, you know, still manage my responsibilities at home. And I, I really loved it. And I, I created Balagan Be Gone, and which Balagan means chaos in Hebrew. And I love that name, by the way. I just love it. It's such a good name. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Um, when we moved to Israel, I just transferred my business because I found that, like, it doesn't matter where you are. People just have too much stuff. <laughs> Um, and that's a whole, like we could do a whole episode talking about stuff, but what I'll just say is it doesn't necessarily help us to have more stuff. And I think that one of the things that has really helped me be more organized and, and give my kids better executive functioning skills is to have less stuff because what it does is it allows me to say, well, it allows me to give my kids stuff, a place to live. So our, our homes are not, you know, infinite. They don't go on forever. We don't have unlimited amount of space. We have a finite amount of space. So we have to make what we have fit into that space. Preferably it won't overtake the whole space, but even if it does giving each item that we own a place to live is key. And what that does is it allows our kids to have better executive functioning skills. So reducing what we had not only made my life better and lessen my responsibilities, but it also made things easier for my kids to learn how to be organized, to organize themselves and to manage themselves. And now my kids are teenagers. So we've been doing this for, you know, over 10 years already. Now my kids are teenagers. Are they zero wasters? No, they still waste and it hurts me, but whatever. That's a, you know, side note, but, but they can organize themselves because they understand that there's a limit to what they can have. And they understand that if they do buy something new, something else needs to leave. Like they don't need to keep everything forever and ever and ever. And that is a huge, a huge thing because most kids don't understand that. Amazing. So yeah, I once heard someone say every uh, organizer, she's this line is in my head, which is basically what you're saying. Everything in your home needs a place to live. Uh, Everything in yeah. If you can't allot real estate to right. it, then it's not worth keeping because you haven't given it a, right. a place of respect. And you're giving right? and you're you're furthering it. You're saying this actually not only helps you to manage all of your responsibilities, but it also helps your kids to Right. Well, first of all, you can't say to your kids, clean up your room. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, we we've been we've tried that. <laughs> okay, so Let's assume for a minute that the listener, it has ADHD. And even if they don't have ADHD, sometimes things just get out of control in your house, right? So imagine you're standing in a room that is completely out of control. You're looking there and you know how to clean up, right? You know how to do things, but then you're standing there and there's clothes on the floor and trash on the floor and dishes on the floor and the books are upside down and the toys are all over and something's hanging from the curtain rods and the table is full of stuff, right? How do you, so, so, you know, after Shabbos, (laughs) uh, (laughs) typical, right? (laughs) So, so how you look at this sometimes. And I know that a lot of my clients come to me and they're like, I look at that and I don't even know where to start. So now imagine you have no executive functioning skills, 
the room seems enormous to you because you're, you know, three feet tall and you can't even see the whole scope of the room, really. You don't know where any of those things go because they've never had a place. And now your mom says to you, clean up your room or you're going to be in trouble. Okay, but what does that mean (laughs) on a practical level? And it's not fair to our kids to say to them, clean up your room without being specific with them and without giving them the tools that they need to actually do it. So for example, if you don't say to your kids, the magnets go in here and the the trains go here and the cars go here and they have no understanding of that, they're not gonna be able to to clean up their room. And then you're gonna fall down the rabbit hole of why didn't you clean up your room? You never listened to me, you're such a slob. And all these negative emotions that are gonna be associated with something that is a necessary skill. And so it's gonna, executive functioning tasks are gonna down the line be much more difficult for your children because they're gonna have this negative association with doing these things. And what I, what I think is hard for a lot of parents is, I mean, I'm 41 and we grew up in a time when we were perhaps overscheduled and our parents did a lot of scheduling for us and we didn't learn to schedule ourselves. And Mm -hmm. so what I see with a lot of parents who are in like the generation younger than me, even just 10 years is they have even lower lesser executive functioning skills. And so they're doing the best that they can to manage their time and their energy and their efforts. But what's really happening is they're doing that poorly and that's getting passed on to the next generation. And kids today don't have any idea of how to manage their time because their parents aren't even doing a good job of it. And so they can't manage the full workloads that they have or even do small tasks like really cleaning up because they they don't know how and their parents don't know how. And so we have like a generational problem right. of not being able to function. Is is there a nature is there a nature that's more uh skilled at uh, that has greater executive function or is it something that you can learn? It's a learned skill. I mean, definitely. There I, like I said when I started, I I definitely feel like I have a more innate um, tendency towards organization than most people do. And I appreciate the way that I feel when things are in order, but, Mm -hmm. um, but it can be learned and it can be improved. Everybody isn't going to be an organizer, but everybody can be organized. Right. And I don't know if this is a tangent, but I'm curious, do you think that, um, some people are more or less bothered by mess? Like if I walk into our room and everything is everywhere, my brain kind of gets squishy and I can't really think straight and I'm not really sure what day it is. I I, I just, to me, the room, my my mind is like reflected in the room. I think, but I I, I find that some people are fine with it. They could just like walk into a room and like, just like not even see it. I think there are levels. Yeah. Um, For each person, it has to be like a certain, it's like pain. You know, for some people, what is for some, for what is considered a five, let's say for some people, that's a 10 and for some people that's a two. So, Mm. you know, it just depends on you, uh, how they could tolerate Yeah, what your tolerance level is. But I think that, for example, let's talk about a hoarder. Uh, I think that a hoarder Mm. has a higher pain tendency than than a non-hoarder because what's what's driving them is the worry that they'll need it so they can deal with the mess because they feel more comfortable knowing that they have something does that make sense Mm -hmm. in other words it's more comforting that they have it than than the mess is bothersome and so you just have it's always a trade-off and it's what side are you're gonna you're exactly exactly but for most people on on the flip i would say i like if i want if i if someone needs something i would say i would prefer the space that this takes than the item Well, for most people that is the you know that's the trade-off but see here's the thing what i when when it comes down to you know do i want to let go of this or have the space what i think 
as at the core of that is emuna and bitachon. Because if you can say, Hashem gave me this bracha and I don't need it anymore. Like this item has served its useful life for me and I am no longer using this. I'm going to pass my bracha on to somebody else. I'm going to make room for Hashem to give me abundance. And in the process of that, I know that if I need something that I'm discarding in the future, I either don't need it in the future or Hashem will bring it back to me. But what I need right now is something else and I need to make space for that. I, I have this example. I am reluctant to share it, but I'll share it anyways. I had two clients who wanted to have babies and I said to them, I'm like, if Hashem gave you a baby today, if the Derech Teva was defied, if the natural order was defied, and God gave you a baby right this minute, no nine months, you know, you're no labor, baby drops down, the stork delivers it, right? Where will you put it? Where will it go? Mm -hmm. You don't even have the floor space available to open a pack and play in a stroller. The The two basic things you need with a baby, right? Everything else you can do without, but you need a pack and play and you could do without a stroller, but you need some place to sleep the baby, right? Mm-hmm. Where would you put it? You don't even have enough room to open a pack and play, not let alone a regular crib. Like if Hashem gave you this gift right now, you, you can't accept it because you don't have the space for it. So my mm-hmm. feeling is, is that in order to make space for the new and better things that we want, we have to let go of the things that are no longer giving us bracha. And, and that's not to like throw away a gift, meaning you can, what you're saying, you can acknowledge that your item is a gift and it did serve its place, but now it's, but, but now you can pass it on to somebody else. And within a year, both of my clients who are in this situation had babies. I have clients who are looking for their spouses when they are decluttering what's no longer serving them. They're they're making space for, for someone else to come into their life. We don't, I don't think we associate in general, the amount of stuff that we have with space, emotional space. And that's a mistake. And, and, and Pierre Cavos lays it out for us, more possessions, more worries. It's very simple. When you have more things, you have more responsibilities, more things to take care of. And when you have fewer things, you have fewer responsibilities and fewer things to take care of. The responsibilities of a single woman are not the same as a mother who has six small children. The The responsibilities of a mother with six small children is not the same as the responsibilities of a mother with six teenagers. They're just not the same. And if you want something else to come into your life or you need something else to come into your life, you have to make the physical and emotional and spiritual space for it to come to you or else it just can't come because there isn't any place to put it. And so when we designate space in our homes for the things that we, when, when we curate the best collection of stuff, when we give it a place to live, when we give it a physical piece of real estate, when we teach our kids, this is where things go everybody's life is easier and it makes those hard situations, which will come because that's part of life. It makes those hard situations easier to cope with because you know where things are. You can easily direct people to get what you need, easily direct people to put things away and there are systems in place for you to be flexible. So for example, if you are sick and somebody needs to come in and cook you a meal, right? It's very easy if you color code your kitchen to direct somebody, anything that's red is meat, anything that's blue is dairy, the two shall never meet. And, you know, please make (laughs) me a piece of chicken. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's much easier to manage in a situation where you need help when there is already a system in place. And the fewer things you have, the easier it is to manage that system. So if we bring it back to our kids, when we give them fewer toys, And when we give each one of their toys a home and we clearly label where that home is. And for small kids, it doesn't need to be labeled with words. Small kids can look at pictures and and identify pictures and understand trucks go here based on the picture of the trucks. Right. 
and mm-hmm. they know. So when we can give them those visual clues, it makes it easier for them. It also, for, I mean, how you deal with your kids and organization is really going to depend on their age. But the thing is, is that when you can tell kids like, please put away your trucks. And then you go on to the next test. This is for small kids. Please put away your trucks. Please put away your magnets. Please put away your shoes. Please put your dirty laundry in the hamper. When you give them small tasks divided up, they can manage that more easily. And older kids can obviously take more direction. But the thing is, is you'll not need to give them as much direction when they get older. I can say to my kids, hey, please clean up your room now because it's clear to them what that means. They know the laundry needs to come off the floor. Their shoes need to go in their cubbies. The clothing needs to go in the correct basket and everything is labeled. So it's much easier for them. Wow. It, that right, is but when you practical. give them that foundation, they can move that into adulthood and it's very, very useful skill for them. <laughs> so you're saying like a broad principle that we, we, we keep getting at here is that if you can, if you can minimize your, your possessions, possessions yeah. and you can give each item a place to live, then not only will you be able to manage your um, organization, your home and organization, you can also then delegate jobs to others, including your kids, because it's, it, it's clear. Um, and, and then you, and then you furthered with, with practical tips, like, like how to label right. and, um, exactly. Um, how to divvy up the, the, the broader job to small tasks for younger kids, et cetera. Right. When I say to so, my kids, yeah. please put your backpack away. Like I'm not saying my kids are perfect. My kids come in, they dump their backpacks on the sofa. So if I say to my kid, put your backpack away, they understand what away means because they know there's a place on the bench for all the backpacks that the bench that's right, like right by the front door, they know that that's where they go. And for whatever reason, it didn't just come in and get there, but they know where it goes. So I can now say to them, put it away. And it's clear where it goes. But if you say that to a child who doesn't know the system or there is no system in place, this is not helpful. Mm -hmm. Well, what does away mean? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, okay, mommy, I'll put it away, but where should I put it? And and it's confusing and Mm -hmm. it's it's not helpful. Sometimes I feel like I need to take my, even if I'm organized, I need to take my kids on a little tour. (laughs) You know, like yesterday I said, it's where the diapers are. Where are the diapers? Like next to where the arts and crafts drawer is, where's the arts and crafts drawer? <laughs> Wait, you don't know this? You know, right. sometimes I like think it's like a given. You, you, you know where we keep arts and crafts? Like maybe not. Well, I think that there are definitely pieces of information that they selectively forget. But <laughs> or 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 okay. they may even like know it in theory when they're going to it, like for muscle memory, but in practice they don't know. Mm-hmm. You know? Um right. but but I think the real important thing is, is understanding that if you don't know where it goes, they definitely won't know where it goes. And definitely. if you don't really understand how the cleanup process works, you can't expect them to understand it either. And mm-hmm. you have to model that behavior for them. Right. Sometimes they even say it out loud. I need to put this away where I talk to the item. Where do you go? <laughs> I have to make a voice back. That's, um, a, that's actually cool. a good practice. Okay. It's cute. It's fun. Um, anyway, so, um, well, how do we go about it? Like, what would you, what would be the process be for, let's say I, I, I listen to this and I say, this is, this is true for my home that I need to be getting rid of things. And how, what's the process it, okay. of, of let's say decluttering or or where do we start? So when I work with somebody, I always, decluttering is a skill that you really need to practice. It's not natural to just throw away things that you spent money on. And the first step to getting organized into my mind is seeing what you have. 
So getting all the like items together and seeing, you know, how many do I have in each category? And then figuring out how much space you can dedicate to store all those things. So how much you should really keep. So for example, if you get all of your shirts together and all your skirts together and all your scarves and all of your hats, you'll see how many you have. And the strange thing is, is you would think that, you know, it's most people would store them together, but most people don't store like items together. And I bet if you go through your house, you'll find that you have way more pairs of scissors than you thought. You have way more headphones than you think. You have way more, I don't know, any anything that you can think of that you think you only have one or two of, you probably have five or 10 of them once you actually break it down room by room. Because most people are like, well, I'll just keep one in every room and then I'll always have it when I need it. But the problem is, is... That doesn't really work out for most people because, I mean, you know, show of hands, we can't do that here, but I bet you most of the people listening are like, I can never find the scissors when I need them, or I never have a pen when I need it. It's because even if you want to keep something in, in each room, you don't have a designated space for it to go. And like, when you don't have a designated space for things, it's impossible to find what you're looking for. So for example, keeping medications in three different places usually means that you're going to have much more than you need and probably you won't get it all used up by the time it expires. And you'll probably overbuy because you'll think, oh, I finished the one in this location, but I had two in the other one and I didn't know. And like you could have, you know, divvied it up. Right. And I think what that happened, what ends up happening is it leads to like overconsumption. So the idea of bringing all the like items together, seeing what you have and having one place to store things is helpful because it eliminates the overconsumption, it eliminates the waste, but also it's like, if it's not here, you know it can't be anywhere else. Right. I was going to say in your scissors example, you do have 15 pairs, but you never have it. When right. You need it. Because you don't really know where they are. So like the kids know the scissors live on my desk. The, the exception is, is that we have a pair that's just for food. Those are in the kitchen, but those live in a specific place and we know where those are. So like the paper scissors are on my desk and the food scissors are in the kitchen. And so that's all we have. Like, I mean, I know my daughter mm -hmm. has some, and then like the school supply scissors, the ones that the kids take to school every year, those are with tucked away with the school supplies. So like everybody knows at the beginning of the year, at the end of the year, they put their scissors in that place you know, from whatever they took to their school supplies. And then at the start of next year, they'll be there and they can take them back to school. Right. Mm -hmm. But the idea is, is understanding that this is the place for all these things. So that's the first step is gathering the like items and making a home that is in one place. Right. And the second mm -hmm. step is then decluttering saying like, okay, well, now I found 10 pairs of scissors. Six of them don't work. And the other four, I only really like two of them. So I'll just keep two. Right. Uh, and that's okay. If you want to have two, that's fine. If you want to have four, that's fine, but they should all be in the same place so that you can find them when you're looking for them, wherever they live is okay. If they live in the office, if they live in the kitchen, it doesn't matter where they live, whatever makes sense to you, but they don't need to live all over the house. And that's the key mm -hmm. is then once you determine how many you have is where do they, they live? What is the piece of real estate I am designating to the, to this item and, and where can I keep it so that like, I'll be able to find it when I need it. Everybody else knows where it goes and this is the place where it lives. And then what happens is, is you have this system where you know where everything goes, everybody else knows where everything goes, and it's easy to find. And bonus points if you can label it because that makes it easier for other people. After that, controlling the system is what is really key to maintain, to maintenance. Maintaining, right? yeah. um, It's about being conscientious about what you bring in. Okay. Once you, once you get all the like items together, declutter, create a system, you're going to know how many white shirts you have. You're going to know when that shirt is getting yellow and you can't, you know, make it look great anymore or the color is frayed or whatever. Then, you know, I need to replace that white shirt with another white shirt and I'm getting rid of the old one because the reason that I'm buying something new is because I'm replacing something that is no longer useful. 
if it is no longer useful, you do not need to keep it. <laughs> I mean, it sounds so obvious, right? But like right. so many times you're like, well, I'm replacing this because I don't like it, but I'm just going to keep the old one just in case. Keep it just in case. <laughs> yeah. I do that all the time. But it's like, why? <laughs> you didn't like it. Yeah. You're not going to go to it if you keep it. Once you get over that and you pick up the item and you put it in the trash or you put it in the giveaway bag. Yeah, there's no, feels there's great. no remorse. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Right. Once you get past that. It's huh? like if something had a hole in it, let's say, and you're not going to wear it anymore. It's sad to let it go because you loved it. And like, you know, but let's say it can't be repaired or there's a stain that you just can't get out. Right. Yeah. I think about like certain pieces of clothing that I had that I love so much. I'm like, I wonder why did I get rid of that? And then I think back and I'm like, oh yeah, it had a big stain and I couldn't get it out and it looks so schleppy and mm -hmm. I didn't feel good wearing it anymore. That's the reason why I got rid of it. <laughs> Right. So is this, is this what you do in your power hour? Could you yeah. tell, tell us about so that? So power hours are group decluttering sessions in real time. So basically you come onto our zoom call. Previously, you might've sent me a picture of your space and you know, I know what we're going to do. And I tell you exactly where to start decluttering and I tell you what to do, like how to get started. And I check in on you every 15 minutes. I see where you're at. If you need me in between, you can unmute yourself and just talk to me. Um, and it's amazing. In the three-hour session, people make so much progress. And within a few weeks, their house is so much better. And it's like, what always boggles my mind is people are like, I don't have the time to get organized. But what they don't realize is that if you put in the time right now, in three months, six months, a year, your life is going to run so much more smoothly because everything is going to be easier. And even the hard things I find are so much easier. Even when I have a challenge, I can cope so much better because I'm not worried about like how much laundry I have or how the dishes are going to get done because it's, it's just a more manageable thing because I have less. And right. I pick, I pick things and I choose things in my life that are easier to care for. So for example, we, we probably run the laundry every day and that makes it easier to manage, but we do it because we all have capsule wardrobes. If we don't do the laundry, we won't have any, socks or underwear. But the truth is, is that it's much easier to fold and put away five pairs of underwear than it is to try to fit. Yeah. Than it is to wait three weeks and do a huge, do like huge loads for like three days in a row and have the mountain of laundry sitting on your sofa and then try to get that, all that stuff into the drawer. Mm -hmm. It's, I love that because I was just talking to someone about this she was saying it takes me this and this amount of hours to finish my housework. And I was thinking housework is not a finished, yeah, not a finished thing. Not. Like to finish it until two minutes later when you start again. Like, so then I, I think it's a, a mindset where what you're saying is if you have, uh, if you, um, you'll describe this better, but if you're constantly upkeeping your systems, it takes very little, it takes much less brain space and it takes much less energy. Like what you're saying to run a load every day and, and fold five pairs of underwear each day than to wait three weeks, fold 25 pairs and then stuff them into the space because, you know, yeah. so it, it works with all the household, I, like dishes and most people, for you know? most people, laundry is really a problem because it's the putting it away. That's really hard. It's the folding it and putting it away because most people have their closet stuffed to the gills with stuff they don't use. Because if you think about what's constantly being washed, it's it's mostly stuff you're using regularly. It's the stuff that's in your closet that should basically be discarded. <laughs> the stuff you're using regularly, you can't fit in, but the stuff that is in there already. Exactly. So, so let's say I were to do that. I would come onto your power hour and do my kid's closet because that's like probably number one. So so you're saying you, the, 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 um, so I come on, you come on, I'll, we'll take, you'll send me a before picture and I'll walk you through first. We would put everything in categories because I bet it's not in categories or it's in somewhat categorized, but not totally. And then we'll see what still fits, what doesn't fit, what's in good condition. 
and we'll remove anything that is not necessary. Afterwards, the closet will be amazing and beautiful and usable. <laughs> Wait, it's interactive. Like I see, I also see like what, what my, what the other ladies are doing. You can, yeah, you can see. Not everybody leaves their camera on while they're working, but you can see the progress that people are making. Some people don't like to just be sort of filmed the whole time, but like, and that's fine. And you can turn your camera off. I just ask that you turn it on, like to show me updates in between. Everybody's working together, which is more motivating because you feel less lonely. It's like, you see that you're not. The- it sounds even fun. Like I wouldn't think of I love to- doing it. And I, it's kind of, listen, I'm not going to lie. Most people come on and they're like, oh, I didn't want to come on. But I know you would hold me accountable. I know that we're, I would be successful. Most people don't want to do it, mm. but they feel really good after they're done. <laughs> it's like exercise or any other good thing that you do for yourself. Yes. Yes. I never want to exercise, right. but I do it. And I'm glad that I did it at the end of the day. Look, it's not in my hands. I don't get to decide. But if I don't do my right. part, I can't expect God to be like, yeah, I'll do it for you. Right. Like that's part of, that's part of anything in life. If we want God to do his part, we have to first do our part. If you want to be more organized, Mary Poppins is not coming to your house and snapping her fingers. You know, I don't have a magic wand and I can't make your house, but you're doing, you're pretty close. You're coming pretty close. (laughs) I'm trying, but what I can do is guide you through the experience and what I found and what my clients actually tell me is that they said to me, I had one client who was debating, should you, she lives in Netanya close to where I live. I live in Haifa and I traveled to Netanya cause it's not so far. And I like going, you know, mm-hmm. other places. And so she was trying to decide like, should I have you come to the house or should I do the power hours? And ultimately she decided to do the power hours. And she said to me like a few weeks later, she's like, I'm actually glad that I did the power hours because I am learning how to do something I didn't know how to do before. And now I feel like when I have to do something on my own, I have the skills to do it. Versus when I'm standing there in your house with you, yes, it's helpful because I take away whatever you decide to declutter and that's something off your shoulders and and you're getting my expertise and I'm working you faster and, and the decisions are a little more dynamic when I'm actually standing there with you but you're not learning how to do it yourself. Right. That's huge because for most people, that's the key that's missing in their day-to-day lives. They don't have the executive functioning skills to, you know, actually figure out how to make these things happen in their day-to-day life. And they can't, they can't like, I have one lady, she comes on and she like starts her washer and then she starts her dishwasher. And then she does a cleanup of the, clean up of the counters and then she cleans up the floor and then she starts decluttering because she needs me to walk her through. She needs that time to walk through. Like, could you just tell me what to do? And now she has a set routine. She spends the first half hour of the session, like starting the machines and, and then she goes on with whatever else she needs to declutter. And it really works for her because she needs that focus. She needs someone to be like, okay, now's the time for this machine. By the way, did you check the machine? Go ahead and do the launch, like switch from the washer to the dryer, open the dishwasher so it, you know, can dry and then you can empty it. And, and some people just need that. And some people don't need that. Like they don't need as much guidance in that area, but they need help with like, how do I tackle this bookshelf that looks like a tornado hit it? And, you know, I don't know how to manage this. And then I can walk them through that. And, or the closet is a mess or there's stuff all over the floor or whatever it is. The idea is, is that just the same way you would get a personal trainer to walk you through how to best maximize, you know, the legs or the arms or whatever. It's like personal training for your health. Sounds amazing. So we, (laughs) let's say we have, so if one of our listeners wants to um, try this out, I definitely want to try this out. <laughs> I'm going to give everybody a coupon um, code. I'm going to give everybody a coupon code and um, we can put in the show notes. And it, you do, we have a lot of listeners yeah. also in the States. So that's okay too. Cause you, yes, there are times that are great for, for the States. Um, we have 8am Sunday morning. We have noon Sunday. Um, there's a noon on 
Tuesday. There's a 6 a.m. on oh, Thursday. Wow. So there are no late nights during the week. Well, there are no late, no later evening ones. But yeah, there I definitely make it make time to accommodate. That my, sounds great. My U.S. I think we're gonna have some yeah some happy campers here. Yeah. Um, wait. So okay. So this is all so helpful and so interesting. I can can you tell us a little bit also about your book because we didn't even get there. In yeah. Introduction. <laughs> so my book is called Organized Jewish Life. Basically, what happened was, was my mother uh, passed away in 2020 during the height of Corona. And I live in Israel and my family is all in Maryland. And um, I couldn't travel back from Israel for, for the funeral or the Shiva. And my husband has, thank God, never sat Shiva either. And even though I'm you know, FFB, I'm religious from birth. I, I knew what to do, but I didn't really know how to delegate what to do. And to, to, when people would ask me what I needed, I would be like, not really sure. I don't know what to tell you. And I didn't have any way to, to organize myself in this time when like I needed to be organized. Now, thankfully my husband and I really do share equally the household responsibilities. So he was able to, to manage while I couldn't do very much. But what I realized after I was sitting Shiva was I need to make a checklist for how to sit Shiva. And then I'm like, that's stupid. Who will want that? And <laughs> so I was like, well, what if I made it like a little more robust? And at the same time, I was also looking for a way to do something to honor my mother because my mother was an excellent hostess and just all around, even though if you saw her, you might not consider her to be an organized person. She always really managed Chagim and Shabbat and just Jewish life cycle events really, really well. And the thing was, was she always knew the right thing to do. And what I realized was, was people today just don't know the right thing to do. Like, what's the procedure? What's the protocol? Like, okay, we have Halacha. We have the Kitzor Shulchan Aruch. We have the Gemara. We have like all these books that tell us like on a practical level, what the halacha is, but how do we execute that in a way that makes us happy to be sitting at the Seder table or the Shabbos table, or to be glad that we're sitting at our, our kid's wedding or bar mitzvah or breeds, like in a way where we don't feel like a shmata that we got there. So I decided that I was going to make checklists for all the things in Jewish life. So I have three sections in the book. The first one is Shabbat and holidays. And it's how do I prepare for Shabbat and how do I prepare for the holidays? The second one is uh, all manners of Jewish life cycle events. These are the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, not everything in the Jewish life cycle is beautiful um, in terms of that it's happy and joyous. You know, like some things are sad. Death is sad. Shiva is sad. Uh, when you have a pregnancy loss, that is sad. When you have to terminate a pregnancy, that is sad. How do you deal with that as an individual in an organized way? And how can you as a community member or a friend help somebody else in that situation? And unfortunately, as a community, we do not put enough ink on paper about how to deal with these situations. How can you be respectful? I mean, listen, People are always going to say ridiculous things to you. And, you know, sometimes you just have to take that with a grain of salt and know that they're coming at it with good intentions. So there's that aspect of things. But sometimes people just like legitimately don't know what to do or say, and they are trying their best to help you in a situation that they are not familiar with at all. So hopefully this will shed light on those situations a little bit more. How do you manage when your friends are getting divorced? How do you manage that? Like, not just how do I manage a divorce in an organized way, but as a community, how do we manage when a couple gets divorced? How, you know, it's not fair to pick sides, but sometimes that happens, but it's understanding how to manage within that dynamic, which is not something we are talking about as a collective. Mm -hmm. So I felt that that was really important. And the third section is called adulting. And that section is about how to set up your Jewish home and how to manage in day-to-day -day life. So things that like your parents should be teaching you, but, and you may have like some institutional knowledge of it because it's like general information, but just like it's all spelled out for you in one place. 
How do I set up a kosher home? How do I determine if this is even a good home or a good community to live in? How do I determine, you know, how much insurance I need? How do I determine what to do after a car accident or when I have damage? How do I deal with the insurance? How do I make my home as safe as possible in terms of fire safety? Because fire is a big issue uh, because we do a lot of things with fire. (laughs) Um, You know, like how do we manage all these things? And it, and Maybe it may seem obvious, but, and maybe it is for a lot of people, but the truth is, is that for a lot of people, if they don't have someone to ask, or even if they do, it's just nice to have one resource all in one place of all the answers, basically. And I worked really, really hard to make something as complete as possible, um, and provide as much information. It's as amazing. I could. You know, I'm thinking like I I did grow up religious and I've kept Shabbos my whole life, but every hour of Shabbos, I'm I'm just kind of like walking around in circles two or three times, just like lights, yeah, yeah, fans, yeah, yeah. Shabbos, <laughs> no, yeah. Let me check again. Check again. <laughs> like there's certain things that like I can imagine also someone coming to it later in life. It could be daunting, yes. and that's just the beginning of it. You know, Shabbos every week. I remember like standing with my mother, like Erev Chag lighting, lighting candles. And it's like, do we say Shafiana tonight? <laughs> yeah, I saw that Can't remember. That was great. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like, <laughs> there's a chart, like which candle, like what to, which bracho to say at which candle lighting? Because I was like, I mean, that's a basic tenet of organization. Like, I, I don't remember what, what do I say tonight? Like, and that's okay. We can't remember everything. So it's okay to have, it's just, it's, it's, it's there for your reference. And from a zero waste perspective, I was really like hesitant to actually publish a book because I was like, it's going to be another book, you know, it's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of resources and it's more clutter for people. But the thing is, is due to the nature of the people that I serve and there is an ebook option, but I really thought about it and I was like, Hmm. You can't open an ebook on Shabbos or Yontif. Like, what it's are you going to do? It's not a reading book. It's a it's a reference. You know, I didn't read the whole thing, but what I what I read was incredible and so Thank just you. like t- it, it, it's just like all encompassing. It's a masterpiece. It's amazing. It's really it's really amazing. Thank you. Um, like really should be an honor for your mother. It's like a really really beautiful work. Um, <laughs> I hope um, so. But I I just like I I'm like I read it and that concepts were inspirational but the list I was like you need that on your shelf it's like a constant reference right right you don't need the list for b'nai mitzvah if you're making a breed right for a bar mitzvah if you're making a breed you don't need the list for how to prepare for death if your parents are not sick necessarily or maybe you want to do some of the things just because it's good to do like create a will but in general, you are not going to need all of the things all the time, but it's, it's knowing that you have a resource that was there. Like, for example, before my mom died, I, I read the Jewish way in death and mourning, but then like I borrowed it from somebody, but, but then when push came to shove, when I had to execute, yeah. I couldn't remember right. what to do. First, second, third, you know? And so this is something that can sit on your shelf and allow you to put into execution what needs to get done. And that's, I think that's really the point of this book. Um, It's just, it's big sister talking to you, uh, telling you all the things that you wish you would have known. And it's how to get through all these scenarios that, that are challenging, even when they're joyous, you know? Um, And I'll just say like on the line of like, growing up religious, like for example, the Erev Tafshilin, I mean, that is not something that mothers do like in front of their children. It's not like a ceremony. Exactly. Like, I don't think I ever saw my mom do it till I was a teenager. And I'm sure she must have done it before, but it was just like, you know, there, I I know my best friend even said to me, she's like, yeah, I didn't know about it (laughs) so much later on in life. And there are just things that we don't know about because when you grow up in a certain way, you take for granted the knowledge that you have. Um, and it becomes sort of like a challenge, like to identify like why you actually do something, uh, because it's not the same thing as if you're new to Judaism as an adult 
for whatever reason. Um, but in either case, it is worthwhile. If you grew up religious, if you didn't grow up religious, there's tons of useful stuff. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're at. And it makes an amazing, amazing gift for someone just starting out. Wow. Okay. Well, I feel like it's gonna, it's, we're, we're ending our time here. (laughs) If we, we should probably wrap up. Um, I, I, I love reflect, like at the end of an episode, I like to reflect back on what we talked about, but I, I feel like we covered so much that I'm going to have a hard time. <laughs> so maybe you can have the honor. Okay. So I'll give you a recap. Sure. I'll give you a little recap. Okay. First of all, if you want to, if you want your kids to be able to have good executive functioning skills, you need to create systems so that they can identify where things go and understand what it means to clean up. And in order to create those systems, you need to first categorize all your items, get the like items together, um, make real estate for each one of those items, then reduce the amount that you have so that you don't have more than you need. And to maintain that system, you need to be able to reduce what you are bringing into your home and be conscientious about what comes into your home. And if something new comes in, something old has to leave so that you are not putting yourself in the same situation where you need to declutter in a major way like you did the first time. Amazing. And, 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 and you, and this is great. Like these are skills you can learn even if the, even if you You haven't yet, or even if this doesn't come as natural to you. Even if you're an adult, you can still get better at them. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's going to be a little more difficult, but if you do it now, it will also inspire your children. Your children crave routine and organization and I cannot begin to tell you. In fact, it happened to me yesterday. I had a brand new person in the membership and she she did her first session and she didn't quite finish get going through everything. And her daughter saw the progress that she made and she was so inspired. Her daughter went and cleaned out her room. I love it. I mean, it's contagious. Yeah. It's contagious in a good way. <laughs> Not in a corona <laughs> pandemic kind Gosh. of way. Um Wow. Okay. So that is so helpful. And if anyone wants to join you and try this out, we're going to put a link, um, in our show notes Amazing. and, um, even just, I, I really appreciate that you came on today because this, I am, I am super inspired to get started. Um, like I said in the beginning, it's, it's the practical end of so much, like so much of what we want to accomplish is, is based on our functioning. And once we can function in um, the optimal way we can really accomplish a lot more of what we want with our children, with our, in our marriages and et cetera. So, um, and our, per- and, and our goals and our, our businesses. businesses. Yeah. So thank you so, so 100%. much. And thank I you so much for having me. Thank you for joining our discussion today. We hope you found it meaningful. If you have any specific questions or general topics you'd like us to discuss, send them our way awesome mom parenting at gmail.com your thoughts and feedback are so helpful to all of us